Hello and welcome to Sound Salad, where we toss around all things spoken and all things heard. Brought to you by Audiobooks New Zealand, New Zealand's leading producer of audio content. We hope that you will have a pleasant journey, and if we can add to your comfort in any way, please do not hesitate to press the call bell. Kia ora everybody and welcome back to episode 7 of Sound Salad. This afternoon we will be tossing it with Craig Gamble of PANS. Now, PANS is otherwise known as the Publishers Association of New Zealand, Te Rau o Taukupu. They represent 80 trade, educational and digital publishers and suppliers and consultants to our literary industry. So their members range from local independents to large international publishers, educational and trade publishers and publishers for adults and for children. So collectively, they create more than 2,600 new locally produced titles per year. So we are lucky enough this afternoon to have some time with the Vice President and holder of the Communications Portfolio. So welcome to the show, and thank you so much for giving us your time, Craig. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How is it today down in Wellington? It's actually a beautiful day, strangely. It's been um, it's been closing in from all sides in the previous days, but suddenly today it's just it's just turned on a stunner. So oh, yeah, nice. we're lucky. Nothing better <laughs> than Wellington on a good day. Oh. That's right. <laughs> so um, maybe to start off, can you perhaps expand on exactly what these lofty titles entail, being the vice president and <laughs> the holder of communications portfolio? What is it that you're sure. – what are you up to? <laughs> sure. So um, – yeah, so the PANS, as you said, is, represents the publishing industry in New Zealand um, and works as a as an, an advocacy body uh, for the industry, both you know generally to the public and to, and more probably especially important to to government representing the publishing industry to government. Um, mm. Yeah, and um, it's an organisation that is made up um, um, by people from the the publishing industry so people that are working actively in the industry um and uh there is a council which is which is various representatives from various publishing houses um and we get together regularly um and and meet and talk about the issues at hand and work out what we're going to do next um and on the council there's a variety of people are doing different things there's the president um and the vice president, which I'm doing at the moment. And we all have little areas of specialty interest. So my current areas of interest uh, and responsibility are communications, which is basically just doing an overview of how PANS presents itself to uh, to the world. Um, and I've also got a little sub, a couple of sub sort of areas of interest at the moment. One is um, sustainability, which is a big issue about to about to become even more important for publishing um the idea yeah. of how big a carbon footprint the publishing industry has um how the things that we can start to do or move towards mm -hmm. to make it more sustainable um and more eco-friendly because you know one of the things we do is make these chunks of paper and print them and yeah. those two activities aren't necessarily uh, economic eco-friendly, but mm. um, they need to be soon. So, yeah, that's one of those big things that's coming on. Um, yeah. I, so, I, yeah. So that's I'm doing that. And I'm also, um, yeah. 
and also contributing to lots of other bits and pieces like um, ideas about diversity in the industry and things like that. So yeah, there's, there's quite a range of things. Awesome. Goodness me. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's a sort of interesting point, really. I think that, um, you know, everyone sort of assumes that people are moving more towards ebooks, Kindles, that kind of thing, which most definitely mm. is a trend. Um, but there's nothing, there's nothing quite like a print book and there's nothing quite like opening a print book. You know, I think there's still quite a lot of purists out there that are going to be hanging on till the last minute, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. to, to try and make sure that print, you know, stays alive. But in terms of that sustainability question, that's, that's really something I suppose has, has that really only come up sort of over the past few years or so, or, or has that been, has that been something that the sort of sector has been mindful of and has been aware is always, you know, was sort of inevitably something that we would have to come to deal with, I guess, with print. Yeah, I, I, definitely it's always been something that people have had in mind. Um, mm. And I, obviously um, the, the big report came out yesterday about how, how much of a mess we are all in in terms of the world and um, and the environment and global warming. So um, it's, it's obviously an issue that is, is really important right now. Um, but it has been something that publishers have always been aware of because... Because the modern processes of printing require lots of intensive use of resources, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, the paper that we use needs to be made and and that, that uses up lots of resources. And then it needs to be printed and printing inks and printing processes can be can be a bit unfriendly um, or have been in the past. They're certainly mm. moving the other way now. Um, so, I mean, those issues have always been things that publishers knew about because because that's what they deal with every day. Yeah. So, um, and then of course there's um, um, other side issues associated with that. And that's the idea of um, moving large quantities of books around the world. A lot of people print in China, for instance, yeah. um, or in other parts of Asia. Um, and those books need to be moved around. Um, and, uh, and there's, you know, once they get to a country, they need to be moved around usually in a fleet of big diesel trucks so yeah, i mean yeah, there yeah. are just lots and bits and pieces to the puzzle yeah um and one of the things we're doing at pans at the moment is just trying to work out where we are in new zealand right now in terms mm. of um in terms of what we do with our printing and our manufacturing as well as what we do with our distribution just to try and get a, an idea about you know how much of an impact we're having and and the things that we can begin to do quickly to try and address some of that stuff yeah just to go back a little bit, um, it's interesting to me. I, we did um, one of the things that Pans does is um, does a market sizing report uh, with Nielsen, and um, and the, the idea of that is to try and get some stats and some figures and some um, you know some ideas about how big the industry is in New Zealand specifically and how much mm. money it earns and how many books are made and also. Um, any kind of patterns that are emerging and, and how people buy books and how people read books. Yeah, um, yeah, great. Yeah. And one of the things about that is that um, that the number of electronic books that are being sold yeah. has kind of plateaued a bit. It's reached kind of a it's reached kind of a level. Really? Um, yeah. So it's not back in the day when it first came about, there was a lot of um a lot of uh, feeling that um electronic books were going to take over completely yeah but um yeah the way it's kind of panned out they kind of haven't um they've reached a, a certain level of acceptance and people love them and that's great yeah 
but they're not sort of they've stopped that that rapid growth and now they're kind of sitting in a certain they go up and down a little bit yeah. but um but still the majority of books that are made and read and distributed uh are physical books so mm, yeah, yeah absolutely what about i mean do you guys have any sort of does pans have anything to do with the production of audio books at all no we don't and no we don't at the moment and mm. that's one thing that we need to um we need to get a, a handle on um Certainly, overseas audiobooks are doing incredibly well. Um, yeah, yeah. Other people are really uh, embracing audiobooks um, as a new way of consuming books, and that's that's a really good thing. Yeah. But yeah, New Zealand, we haven't had the um, we haven't had a lot of audiobooks made here. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I know. I mean, we've got yeah. we've got like obviously, you know, we we do have audiobooks in Z. Thanks, Theo, for the podcast. Yay. Yep. <laughs> um, but in right. terms of actual, like, audience and in terms of um, Kiwis actually engaging, you know, I feel like I feel like the US market picked up on audiobooks really quickly, um, yeah. potentially because, in all honesty, I don't really know. I think, I think probably, probably because there were more producers in America of audiobooks and audio content in general, I suppose. Um, yeah. But... It's interesting because I feel like there's so many people here that I speak about podcasts with. People are so, you know, used to just getting into the bus or in, 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 in the car on their daily commute. And they'll exhaust, you know, one to two hours worth of really sort of, you know, high level, interesting, debatable content, you know. And that's, and that's what, what their morning will look like rather than the radio or rather than necessarily listening to an audio book or something, you know. But I find it quite interesting because there are a lot of people that release audio books in a sort of episodic, like chapter, chapter, episode, episode thing, sort of like yeah. a podcast, you know? So there's, there's, there's so many different ways it seems, because like to me, as soon as you say that there's a sustainability issue and that that's something that we're looking at, obviously you kind of go, well, take it all away from being manual and make it all digital, yeah. you know? And that's <laughs> a really easy bandaid to go on, to, to go with. But um, I think the sort of, the presence of audiobooks, I think can kind of cater to a, to quite a different audience, you know. I think even if you've got an ebook, you still have people that suffer from learning difficulties, from you know uh, reading difficulties and things like that. So, I feel like almost mm. in a way, audiobooks makes things make make storytelling quite accessible to to yeah, certain I, other yeah. you know to to I certain agree. other demographics. Yeah, I think I think yeah I think audiobooks are a great way for people to consume books and um and I get your point completely about podcasts. Podcasts are really popular in our household. And I know mm. that they're massively popular overseas and they've gone through a kind of a renaissance where they've become a huge, um, a huge part of what people do with their time. And yeah. yeah and, and as you say, there are parts of the world like the UK and the USA where um, the number of audiobooks made is, is, is massive. Um, mm. Yeah. We are a little bit behind there. I think in New Zealand, we need to try and, catch up a bit with our, our production of audiobooks i mean there are some mm. in the past especially there have been challenges because you need to have a certain level of um production kind of capability behind you, you yeah know, of you course. Need to have a, a studio and you need to have the right kind of talent around you need to have the right kind of way to distribute audiobooks mm -hmm. as well yeah um, and we have had those things um, mm. um so yeah there's a bit of catching up to do but i do think it's a really valuable thing to start thinking about very seriously so yeah 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 totally mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. So there's one other little question that I'm just asking everyone. I'll litter it around, you know, sure. um, any episode. Uh, do you remember your first audiobook experience? 
what was the book and what was it like and when was it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I can really remember my first one. Um, I, I used to, I don't know whether you, I'm probably, probably giving away my age here, but back in the day when I was a kid, we used to have um, stories on record, you know, actual yeah. Physical mm-hmm. LPs, mm-hmm. and and we used to listen to those over and over. And there was one which was a, a story about Robin Hood, and that was kind of my first audio book, I suppose. Was awesome. um, was a, a dramatic reading of a Robin Hood story, which was very <laughs> very funny, and which we used to love listening to. I think though, probably um, the first audio book I really loved was uh, a book by John Steinbeck called Travels with Charlie. Oh, nice. Um, it's a travelogue um, John Steinbeck gets in his camber van, basically, and he's got a dog. He's got a big dog called Charlie, and he and Charlie drive around the United States from coast to coast, basically, um, looking for uh, what 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 you know, what America is up to, kind of thing. In that nice. period of history, and it was right during the civil rights movement and things like that were going on. So he he just drives around. He meets a whole lot of really strange people. He goes to odd locations. Um, yeah, and there's a brilliant audiobook adaptation of it um, from Penguin, and it's read by um, Gary Sinise, I think, the actor Gary Sinise. And I remember uh-huh. once I was driving from Wellington back to Auckland, um, which is about eight or nine hours, and I was just doing it all in one go because I needed to be there. Mm. And I listened to this audiobook, and it lasted almost exactly the, <laughs> the time of the journey. <laughs> but I. <laughs> I was so gripped by the story that I got to the end of the journey and um, there was about 20 minutes to go and I just sat in the car and listened to the last yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, Because totally. I really wanted to find out. Yeah, it was just so captivating. There's something about someone reading a book to you that is just amazing sometimes if you get into it. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Particularly if, if they're really good storytellers as well. Very, you know? Yes, exactly. And this yeah. was a great, great yarn. So I couldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. So what drew you to working in the literary world? Are you are you a, a writer in any way yourself or anything um, like that? Yeah, I am a writer. Um, I'm, um, I, I've written a few books. I haven't had anything published yet because I'm still still kind of getting going in that, in that area. But, um, That's so cool. Uh, yeah, but I started, um, I, I was always interested in books and um, I started in the industry as, uh, uh, I, I was called a, uh, Whitcoll's management cadet. So at Whitcoll's, um, they used to hire young people and give them a bit of training and sit and try and you know get them ready to run a Whitcoll store. Basically, that's kind of what the idea was. So cool. I started there, yeah, uh, a long time ago now, and um, worked at various places for them, and then moved into um, moved into other bookstores, and then eventually um, into the publishing side of things. So. And that's that's kind of how it's how it's come about. Yeah, mm. but I think I mean, my love of the industry is it had come from a place of loving books and loving writing and talking about writing and um, yeah, and um, my current job. So I'm the publishing manager now at Victoria University Press. Um, my current job is really satisfying when it comes to that side of things because there are so many. We do a lot about. I mean, we do all our editing and, and stuff like that in-house. And then yeah, it's just, yeah. there's so many occasions where you're you're dealing with um, really amazing writers and really, really amazing editors. Um, and you get to be, you know, right in there as part yeah. of that, which is, which is really fascinating to me. Golly um, gosh, really I so. didn't realise that. Here I am talking about pans. I should have been talking to you about <laughs> that, for goodness sake. Gosh, that's so cool. 
So you guys mainly yeah. you guys mainly publish most of the people that go through um so students that go through is it the in- Institute of Modern Letters and things is that yeah, right Yeah Institute of Modern Letters cool. um so yeah we 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 publish um quite a wide range of different people but we do have that long standing relationship with with the IIML International mm. Institute of Modern Letters which is quite a mouthful um okay. but um well, I, you know, they they have the MA course there, which is a one year course, which mm-hmm. I've done, and, I, and lots of other people have done. So there is a steady stream of new new voices coming out yeah. of the IML all the time. And yeah, there historically has been quite a strong connection between uh, Victoria University Press and and, and that because yeah. we're part of the same university, obviously. Yeah. So we're we're connected in lots of ways. Um, but yeah, and that's one of the great things about working at VP is you get to see all these new authors coming along. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, writing their first book and, you know, going into that world for the first time, which is really amazing. A lot of them, as soon as they make that entry point, I mean, I've been sort of looking and doing a, a bit of narration at um the Blind Low Vision NZ of a number of the recent um Ockham Award winners and yes. and finalists and shortlisters and things. And I'm just like some of these people are like 22 or 23 or 20, <laughs> like, you know, and I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible because you can tell yeah. that it's something that is, you know, a sort of first stamp in the world. It's their first, like, sorry, in, in that world, it's their first kind of, you know, real um, professional foot forward. And for so many to be receiving such sort of high accolades so early, that gives me such tremendous hope for, for what, what exciting writing we have yet to come out of of us, you know, of here. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's mm. it's amazing some of these um first time authors that get uh they get book awards or um just the book does really well and is well received and mm. so accomplished for such a young for such young young authors um, yeah. just starting out. Um I mean a, a lot of that's down to the care that's taken um at the IIML to begin with. The, yeah, of the course. Type of, the type of workshopping they do encourages people to find their own voices and and try new things and be experimental and bold and you know and believe yeah. in what they do um that's quite important too um yeah there's certainly some that I've read recently that you know are quite innovative with things like structure and whatnot you know they can jump around sure. and 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 um flip time and mess with time and it seems it seems like a lot of the younger voices are coming through with a lot more of of an informed sense of cinema almost you know, like they're able to yes. create these worlds and scenes very, very simply, but very, very specifically in a way that's really effective, you know, it's really, yes. it's really awesome to be able it to is. get that kind of grit and quality, you know, it's great. On our, on our PANS website, they've, they've got some interesting things to say about the industry, like some of which have really kind of surprised me. So for example, I would never have imagined that we generate anywhere near the sheer quantity that we do. Um, looking at the stats, I think these these were from 2009, that the book industry yep. generated $292 million from sales of 21 million books and employed yeah. an estimated 2,500 people. Sort of goes on to say consumers overwhelmingly prefer print books, which account for 93% of our book sales. Educational and yeah. trade publishers are embracing digital, including e-books and things like that. But the investment that this requires is not easily recouped. So... If that's from 2019, I can't even think about how that's grown over the past few years, and particularly given given our pandemic. Is there anything that you can speak to at all about how the industry was impacted and whether whether that number's gone up, whether it's gone down, you know, that sort of thing? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the the um, the pandemic has hurt has kind of impacted everybody in publishing quite significantly. Um, yeah, uh, um, obviously the first lockdown closed all the bookstores, and, um, and so that means that no books are being sold. And and one of the things that Pans has been doing is is trying to work with the government to find out ways that should we have to go into another lockdown we can we can still have booksellers selling books in one in a safe yeah. way yeah that's, for sure it's not going to be a, a risk to anybody but that, that's still going to enable people to get their books that they want mm. um so after the first lockdown um when we came out of that there was a, this giant surge back in the in the bookstores people were really keen to get um to go to go and get their books and yeah. go and visit places um <laughs> They and they're also one thing that is that has happened is that people were really keen for New Zealand stories. They wanted um they wanted stories about where they were, mm. you know, and about their own country rather than so much focusing on what's coming out of overseas territories. So yeah. that was an interesting thing that happened. But but generally, um I don't have I can sort of speak to my own publisher and some others that I've talked to. Um, everybody got hit really hard in the first lockdown. Yeah, uh, there was a great bounce back, and we we everybody got some nice you know mm-hmm. pick up after the stores opened. But still, by the end of the year, I think a lot of people were probably twenty twenty thirty percent down on where they were um, yeah. previous year. So it's definitely hurt. There was one really amazing kind of thing, a little wonderful bit of trivia that I discovered though that you guys managed to achieve um, was that. You managed to get books deemed as essential items at alert level four. All oh, right, yeah, <laughs> that's like that's that's amazing. I mean, you know, having having books up there with medical equipment and got like power, electricity, yeah, all of that stuff to have books up there with those survival like necessities. I think that's an incredible thing. That's that must have been an awesome feeling. I mean, what's that process like? What was that? Uh, what was that? Yeah, what did you have to was, do to get that happen? <laughs> it was just a lot of work, I think, going on behind the scenes with people mm. making representations to government about. Um, there was actually quite a lot of evidence to support the idea that um, reading um, is really good for social and and physical well-being um, mm. in society, um, and particularly reading stories that are meaningful to where you are yeah. and where you are living. So, um, yeah, there's quite a lot of evidence that. That having that kind of stuff available is really important to to mental well-being and and kind of put and ties the society together in, mm. in ways that are quite important. So um, yeah, there was just yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that Pans has been working on a lot recently is this um, very big review of copyright, um, mm. which uh, the Ministry of Innovation, Business, Enterprise is doing. And through that uh, process, we've developed some pretty good contacts with with people in government. So uh, cool. that, that's a really interesting thing. So I think that was also, that sort of came into play. We had um, we had people that we could talk to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that, that all worked out well in the end. Um, but yeah, it's great. I think books are pretty essential. They and are essential. <laughs> obviously so cool. they want to be sold safely if, if you're in lockdown, but, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah gosh. <laughs> well, so now, I mean, obviously you, you know, your sort of role is to work in advocacy and 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 speak to government and all of that kind of thing. That's um, right, yeah. With regards to working towards more sustainable and and diverse, um, you know, content and capabilities for the company and leveraging the 
the whole disruption caused by the pandemic. What what are these sort of conversations looking like with government in terms of what you guys are kind of um, heading towards or, or planning for? Um, we, I think, uh, I think we need with our relationships with government, as I was talking about this copyright review process, mm. which is a big deal because there are moves to change the way copyright works. Um, and copyright is, is, is just really a mechanism by, by which publishers, but also more importantly, probably authors are allowed to get some proper reward for their efforts. You know, yeah, they yeah. get to get rewarded, recompensed for their work. And that seems completely valid. Mm. Um, there are certain things about copyright that are, that are probably slightly old fashioned and need to be reviewed. And, yeah. um, and, and it's something that's a huge debate going on at the moment about the way that should be done um but um but i but i think one of the things about about all the a lot of stuff that pans is doing at the moment is that um we need to be seen to be thinking about these issues that the government thinks are important so mm. but they're, they're very big on sustainability obviously but yes. they're really big on diversity and they want to know that the people that that they're going to help or support or work with but those industries are, are equally focused on those things. So, yeah, I mean, we need to, I think we need to be able to say, say to government, you know, these are the things we're doing to be more inclusive. These are the things we're doing to, to encourage different voices to come forward yeah. in New Zealand books. We, we want, we want lots of, um, want lots of local import, want lots of different types of voices from different places. We obviously need to have a massive focus on Tadeo and, incorporating um young and uh upcoming maori writers um and that sort of thing so uh and we need to have more people um speaking today and and working yeah. on that in the industry itself there need to be more need to be more maori editors and mm -hmm. production people and booksellers and everything yeah. um we need to we just need to work as hard as we can to get that to happen so yeah um, for sure yeah. yeah it's an interesting one like with the work at Blind Low Vision NZ, we've got a whole section where there's, gosh, what was it when I last looked? Probably 10 to 13 titles that are all written by te reo writers that are all in full te reo and yep. very, very few performers who are actually able to narrate them for us, you know? So right. I know that we're right. going to all different sorts of communities and things like that to actually find people who are um, not only keen, but able you know <laughs> which yeah. is which yeah. is which is interesting you know i mean it's 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 awesome that that we have them all there but it is i have to say it is a little bit disheartening for me i mean i've i've, I've been like learning for about a year and a half i'm in no way fluent and would never ever deign to to, to think about narrating a, a, a novel in full te reo, but i am uh, somewhat baffled at how difficult it is to be able to find people that are able to do that, you know, to have eight to 11 yeah. hours in front of a microphone where they can speak fluently in a way that's cohesive and moving and um, yeah. really, really gives color to a story, you know, it is, yeah. it is, um, it, it, it does say a lot to me about the fact that so many of our Māori and Pacifica actors and um, voice talent are in employment at the moment, which is great because a lot of them <laughs> are like, well, I mean, it's good. awesome. You know, we have a lot of big productions coming here at the moment you know, thanks to COVID, obviously. Um, so that's a really wonderful thing. But it is still, you know, I do, I do still, I do still hope that that in the in the coming years, with narrators and with the talent coming through and authors and everything, that will there'll be a bit more of a focus and a bit more of um, 
energy pushed towards that as well, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think we all need to to think about ways that we can we can develop that pool of talent. Like, mm. you know, if you're talking about just publishing, we need to work on ways that we can develop a number of people that are that are completely fluent and that have are able to to work in the language um, as well as other people can work in in English. You know, yeah, and yeah. When you come to publishing, focus on that, and yeah, and it's really up to the industry to encourage that as much as possible. Mm. Um, mm. Do you get many titles through? Do you get many titles through that are bilingual or that are you know in a completely different language, whether it's Te Reo, whether it's Cantonese, you know? Anything like that? Uh, no, we we don't tend to because um, we don't have the expertise to, to edit that properly. Yeah, um, yeah, so sure. We don't we don't tend to get to get many. We're not known as a as a as a large popular. I'm mean, talking about Victoria University Press. We haven't been known historically as a large publisher of mm. of Tadeo or other languages. Um, yeah, it's just about our, our our current expertise really and what we're good at, and we just we sort of need to stick to that. But it's something that we need to do more of we have done a little bit of it in the past and mm. we need to get there there are there are companies like Auckland University Press yeah who are publishing they have a program to publish hundreds of books and today are translating all sorts of things yeah. from Harry Potter you know to all sorts of other things mm. just to make just to try and build up that resource of books that are in the language so yeah that's a really amazing thing that they're doing and there's there are other people like Huya who have done it for a long time now mm. uh, and even little uh, smaller Publishers like Gecko Press, who publish, um, who publish children's books, they they um, are doing more books than today are now, which are great. Yeah, um, yeah, they'll you know picture books and board books for kids that are quite young in today, which is yeah. great. They're lovely, they're lovely things to look at. So, yeah, um, these are all good things. It's just it's going to take a bit of time to get the get the number numbers up, you know, and and yeah. get everything working the way it should. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, moving on. I mean, obviously. We all need to work the way we should. We also, it's its all about the people too, right? I mean, you guys, yeah. you, you, yeah. you have some pretty powerful partners. We've got Booksellers New Zealand, the New Zealand Society of Authors, NZSA, the Coalition for Books, Copyright Licensing New Zealand. I've heard of all of them and a lot of them are kind of sort of self-explanatory really, but there's some others that I haven't heard of. So you've got Read NZ and We Create. I've never heard of those two. Do, what, 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 what do they do? Are they... Read NZ is um, is uh, what used to be called the Book Council. Um, oh, I see. I right. Okay. Um, I don't. I am sure that's right. And um, yeah. And so their job is to promote the reading of New Zealand books, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and, cool. and to sort of encourage reading in general. So yeah, that, that's what the Book Council has become. Um, so yeah, they they they're they're an important um, government funded body. That have been around a long time and have done yeah. lots of good things um, for the promotion of New Zealand literature. So yeah. Um, so and that, what about We Create? Example. What's We Create? We Create is um, as an organisation that was begun um, to kind of speak for um, the creative sector, really, in New Zealand. Um, so it's um, like an advocacy sort of body, perhaps. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it's kind of also. Um, it, there seemed to be a need for for a body that worked for creative people and and that was able to talk about um, how creative people work and how they needed to be encouraged and how important they were really yes uh, to the to the society in general um, wow. and um, and so they're a body that's been begun 
um, by people in the industry. And obviously they have very strong connections to publishing because writing is one of the things that's just that's just beginning to um beginning to become more and more important, especially when it comes to today or other things like that. So um yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um it's yeah, it's just a body that 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 people have uh created to, to talk about creativity and why making art is important and why these things need to be, you know, protected or helped. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. Hmm. Awesome. Cool. Oh, I'm I'm glad that I know about them now. <laughs> um well, I know also you guys um you you go to a number of like international book markets and things like that too where you have where you're rep, repping us all, I suppose, in an international sphere. Yeah. Um yeah. is it is that always the sort of focus for like, you know, in terms of our hopes and our goals for future Kiwi writers? Is the whole getting offshore thing is that kind of the the sort of big focus with regards to having book fairs? you know, a, a, a presence in book markets elsewhere? Um, the, yeah, there is, historically, um, it, it's varied quite a lot. Some publishers have done really well with, so they go to those big fairs like in Frankfurt and Barcelona and places like that. Yeah. Um, and what they're doing is they're trying to sell overseas rights to, to New Zealand books. Um, so they, they get a, a publisher in, in France, for example, to buy the French rights to to a book that's been published here um, and publish their own version of it. Um, yeah, right. And so that's kind of right. Sales is kind of what those things focus on, um, and not all publishers uh, do that. Some some find it. Um, it's I mean, it's quite a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet. Right. Yeah. To do, um, but yeah, so not all publishers do that. Um, educational publishers, of which there are lots in New Zealand. Um, focus very heavily on on getting overseas sales for their material um that can be that's a pretty important part of their um their income yeah in yeah many, many many occasions so they focus on getting stuff out there um so yeah i mean pans just tries to help uh people to be able to get there and to have a stand where they can kind of base themselves on you know new zealand stand and yeah. and work from there and, and use the contacts that 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 they've made and that pans have made um, and yeah, definitely promote New Zealand writing, New Zealand literature, um, educational publishing, all types mm. of publishing from New Zealand. Yeah, and just try and get those things out into the world because um, if you can get a book out into a big market like Europe or UK, US, if you can get a book out into the big market, suddenly um, it all becomes a lot more feasible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of being a publisher and what you can do and how much revenue you can bring in and how much revenue you can pass on to your authors so yeah. um yeah i mean i think probably uh, there's always been a focus overseas because the new zealand market is so tiny really mm. uh, well i mean i think the uh, market sizing report from last year said that the publishing industry generated about 300 302 million dollars which is Gosh. which is good but uh, and that's a that's a great figure um, given that we're quite a small industry, but um, compared to the money that's being made in some of the overseas markets, it's, yeah. it's a tiny amount. So yeah, yeah. gosh, mm. wow. Yeah. Eh? So in terms of that process, like once someone's so so, if you've sold like publishing rights to say, like hypothetically, like what you're saying, a French, a French publishing house or yeah. something. Yeah. So then, do they? Yeah. Is it then their job to hire a translator, get it translated, and then put put that book? as a sort of French version of it, of of the Kiwi story into their bookshops or does it or does it just get printed as as the 
the sort of usual English story, I suppose. And then right. their their audience has to sort of discern <laughs> how to read it. <laughs> there are um, different ways of doing it, I, I think, probably. Um, there is some English language publishing uh, in parts of Europe um, that is quite successful where the books are republished in English because there are English, there's an English language audience there. Yeah. But a lot of the time, yes, you're right, a lot of the time a publisher, like a French publisher, will will take a book and they will get it translated themselves for mm -hmm. some of experience with and they will, yeah, they'll make their own version of it and they'll market it and they'll publicize it yeah, and sell it into the French market. Um, and people will know it's been translated, but um, but still, I mean, there are lots of books that we that we enjoy here um, that have been translated from other languages. Oh, so yeah. It's not, yeah. not usually a barrier, too much of a barrier, but you're no. right, yeah. Whoever that publisher might be overseas will also um, sign an agreement with the author of the book obviously and they'll pay royalties back to the author yeah right um, yeah for any sales that are that occur overseas yeah yeah oh, shit, yeah. So it cool. is it is quite a lot of work yeah <laughs> my goodness i mean it's massive and, and, then, and working out stuff and yeah. the whole um the whole the big word that you brought up before that i think a lot of people fail to sort of actually understand how much work is involved in distribution yeah getting yeah. getting getting you know word of mouth to become an actual sale getting you know getting getting a book on a shelf to be an actual award nomination you know like the actual sort of push and the continued push that is required to actually have a book have much yeah. success you know in terms of our audience because we we are a small country that sort of thing um standardly if someone gets a book published say by penguin new zealand or whatever how many yeah. how many copies of that book would they would they sort of have to sell kind of thing to our audience. Do you know what I mean? Like to actually make it right. something that would be in anywhere near the realm where they would start to get remunerated for the work. How much, like how, what's that, what's that sort of ratio look like? Um, it, it does depend a lot on the book. So um, uh, because if you look at the way uh, books are made um, and the various breakdown of costs within each book, so let's pretend a book sells for $20 and, um, um, probably uh, a certain chunk of that is going to go, there'll be, you know, it might cost you two or three dollars to print each copy of the book mm. and it might cost you another couple of dollars to get a nice design for the cover yeah. and then there are more expenses like indexing and yes. typesetting um, yeah. and those sorts of things involved. Then there are distribution costs and then there's the margin that you give to the bookseller. So the bookseller will typically get 40% yeah off the retail price um and that, that also gets taken out so so it so it's quite a complicated little equation mm. but um but yes most publishers will have a formula whereby they can work out how many copies they need to sell to to kind of break even and then how many copies they can they need to sell to start actually making some money back and um and giving those royalties to an author mm. um i mean i would i would add, add this is a bit rough but i guess I would say that most books of works of fiction in New Zealand would sell between between three and five thousand copies. Yeah. Five thousand would be five thousand would be good. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, if you get above five thousand, you're getting into the ten thousand kind of area, then that's really good. Um, mm. That's kind of getting up towards being a bestseller. Yeah, and um, and then occasionally you do get books which break through into into the really big figures, mm. um, and and then you're talking. 
you know, up to between 50 and 100,000 copies. So yeah. that doesn't come along very often, but every, no. so, every so often it does. And um, yeah, but I think a lot of the time you're looking at, you know, reasonably modest print runs because just because the size of the market here is quite small. Yeah. Um, and I suppose un unless you're an author of considered repute, you know, I mean, I was actually, I, I had Martin Crump on um, uh, oh, yeah. for, for, yeah. for our last episode, actually. Yeah. And it was interesting, you know, because it's sort of like, you can give as much advice and this is how to dot, dot, dot to any young writer out there, you know, but at the end of the day, he's very honest and very aware of the fact that he wouldn't have sold anywhere near as many books as he had if it wasn't for his name and for his, his family right. story, you know, and for the right. huge legacy that his father left as well, you know. So there was a kind of big building up of of a sort of huge presence in the in the literary scene of their family, you know. I remember Martin even saying, you know, he didn't, he didn't know that he could write until he just started doing it. And right. And then yes. and then the rest is history, you know. But it's um it is an interesting one, you know, because I I I know that standardly we will always go towards the more popular or the more sort of celebrity or the more familiar or the more well established, that kind of thing, you know. In terms of getting those sort of newer voices out there and things like that, I've, that's what I've 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 always really really enjoyed to see what VUP bring out each year, you know, yeah. because it's always so different. It's always really, really different, you know, and, yeah. and whether or not the person has a, you know, connection to a B, C, D list celebrity here, <laughs> it's like, this is totally yeah. irrelevant, you know, <laughs> like, because the actual merit of the work stands, it stands it up in, in, in the community by itself, which yeah. I think is really, really yeah. cool, you know. And obviously with things like social media, people can, you know, people can send themselves over the other side of the world if they want to in a, in a book, <laughs> if they know enough yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And publishing, one of the interesting things about publishing is, is the variety of stuff that, that gets made and, yeah. and that appeals to different people. There are, there are so many different types of audience out there for different types of books. Yeah. And they all, they all work slightly differently from each other. Um, for instance, like the, a lot of the a lot of the publishing we do at VP is poetry, and mm. the poetry audience in New Zealand is is quite little, but it's it's really um it's really uh, uh, a dedicated kind of audience, and the audience the, the people that like poetry tend to buy everything, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is yep. great. Yes, so we you're do. Not talking about you're not talking <laughs> you're not talking about big numbers or anything like that when it comes to publishing books of poetry, but yeah. you are talking about very dedicated readers. Yes. Um, um, and also, you know, readers who do, as you say, love to talk about their books on Twitter and Facebook yeah. and yeah. those sorts of things. So that's great. A nice, active, very quite vocal audience of poetry here. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. With so many open mic nights and spoken word yeah. events and things like that's that right. as well, which have just, which, is, which have only increased in popularity over the past decade as well. Yeah. You know? No, there's, there's lots of new voices coming out in poetry and um, it's great to see so many new young poets coming through um and you know getting some success yeah totally yeah. yeah I find as well that um <clears throat> pardon me the sort of community of poets is really really generous you know um good old friend Dominic Coey I'll have him on another episode later um oh, yeah. he's, pu yeah. he's published a number of number of books and you know is quite prolific online and things you know but I know also that he has been he's been mentoring for years to you know like younger yeah. young 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 kids that are sort of um, following a similar journey to him, you know, starting out with hip hop or starting out with sort of rap and that kind of thing, but then really wanting to better their writing and understand metaphor and 
you know, really give themselves some kind of just grammatical gravitas. Do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, but without yeah. the context of, of a usual, you know, this is an academic three year long paper, you know, that, that, that you have yeah. to do to become said poet dot, 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 you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really wonderful that there's, it, it, it seems like there's a, there's a huge culture of being really open and generous to sending the elevator down. Yeah, I you think know? so. I think there, I think there, I think most writers I know, um, whether they've published a lot of books or a few books, they're, they're really generous with their time. Yeah. Um, and they will always, um, if they have, you know, if they're able to, they'll, they'll encourage young writers or do things to help mm. young writers get their um get their time and yeah I think probably um you know the prime example of that in my experience has been Bill Manhire and his yes. starting of the creative writing school of Victoria yeah which started a long time ago now as a as an undergraduate paper and has now become its own institution um mm. and the number of writers that have come through that um and that's that that model I mean people often say to me you can't you can't be taught how to be a writer um mm which which i which i kind of agree with but that's kind of not what workshops like the iaml do what they yeah. do is they, they give you the chance to become the writer that you can become yeah. you know they give you the tools and the support and the and the encouragement so that you can find out what sort of writer you are mm. uh, and yeah so that that model of of you know established writers helping beginning writers is definitely something that's been that's been really strong yeah um, totally yeah, and it continues for a long time yet. yeah me too yeah. me too yeah. Um, well, we're coming to the end of our hour, it seems, honestly, I uh -huh. can speak to you for a very long time about this, but, um, what, like final sort of parting comments, I suppose, for anyone yeah. who is looking to get into the world of publishing specifically, I mean, you know, we can talk, yeah. we, 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 we can talk a lot about writing and authorship and that sort of thing, but for people that are wanting to be on the other side where you are now in, in a space of advocacy in in a position of being able to talk with government, make these sorts of changes, Anyone yeah. wanting to actually engage with PANS, what would you what would you sort of recommend to them, or what sort of advice would you give to them? Probably, well, I mean, I, I always think of I always think of publishing as, in a, to a large extent, as a creative exercise, you know, because the, the editorial relationship you have with an author, uh, the time you spend making sure their book is as good as it can be. Is is a is really almost a, an act of creation as much as writing the book is. You know, yeah. you're working with very closely on their text, and you're helping them to see um, to see its strengths and to and to you know improve the parts that might not be so strong. There's that kind of collaboration. But so uh, and and that kind of to get into that kind of world, I think um, uh, it can be a little bit challenging because the industry isn't so big. I would, mm. I mean. If somebody wants to get into publishing, I would I would thoroughly recommend them then going and looking at the Fitteraya um, oh, yeah. publishing course, which is the one that's most recognised, uh, but also it's the one that has the closest context with publishing in New Zealand. Yeah, and, great. Um, the graduates from that course would definitely have an excellent chance of getting getting work in the publishing industry um, if they wanted to engage in publishing like that. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a good first step to do. Um, Fitteraya is in, to, in Wellington, eh? Yeah, they're in Wellington. Yeah, it is, um, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping that they might they might be able to establish an online version of the course. They used to have one, um, but it was unfortunately a victim of various downsizing. Hopefully, it'll come back and people mm. around the country can start doing it. Awesome. Um, because yeah, like I was saying before, we want new people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're always looking absolutely. for new people to come into publishing. Um, yeah, yeah. 
but in terms of get, getting hold of pans or wanting to talk to people in pans then just just send us an email really um, yeah we're we we're always talking to each other in pans on the council um and we're always uh keen to hear from people about you know and and we're also happy to give advice about how to get started in the industry and awesome. things like that or opportunities there might be so yeah no just just drop us a line we'll be happy to chat amazing that's so cool thank you so much well for everyone listening i will make sure that i pop the links to fitida and to pans in our show right. notes so that everyone can just have a quick reference to that and i think that's probably us at the end of our week Good. episode <laughs> thank you so much thank for you. being with us though craig and i hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day thank you Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Romy Hooper. You've been listening to Sound Salad for all things spoken and all things heard. To hear more Sound Salad episodes, go to www.soundsalad.co.nz. This has been brought to you by my gold sponsor, Audiobooks NZ. Check out their library at www.audiobooksnz.co.nz.